One correction before we start this episode, Andy has won a combined five national championships between beach and indoor, not three as we mentioned in the intro. Intern Jim was able to fact check this, unfortunately we didn't catch it before we went to air with Andy. We hope you enjoy this episode. Be sure to check out the Joel Hannon, Liam Coppin, Chris Tao, and Logan Mend episodes as we do our best to build the rivalry that is Toronto OUA men's volleyball. Enjoy the show! Hello everyone, welcome back or welcome to Passing Dimes. My name is Josh Nickel, joining me today, Dallas Keith. Good, you? Always good, Josh. Wonderful episode we have on here. Not quite sure where we are in the episode count, but we're still here. You know, out of all of our episodes, this is one of them, you know? Of all of the ones that we've recorded, this is definitely one that we've also recorded. Yes, yes. Truer words are never spoken. (laughs) (laughs) This week's guest is currently at the University of Toronto. We're going to move into indoor season here, so this is exciting for us. A nice little transition for us from uh, from the sand to the the court. A three-time national champion. Yes, he was with Pac-Man Volleyball Club, and you know us. We can never not talk about beach, so that's why he's a perfect transition, because he won a couple national championships on the beach. He won a United States HP tournament where he met some friends that we'll hear some good stories about that. Uh, currently coaching Beach with the Titans. And my favorite part is, I hope we tell this story right off the bat, when he was just a young little guy, somehow he wore pants to the beach and forgot that he didn't have shorts underneath. So he came to the control tent and he goes, you guys wouldn't happen to have an extra pair of shorts. So he won an OVA Beach tournament with nickel on the back of his <laughs> leg because I donated my shorts. Welcome to the show, Andy Cox. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Classic nickel, sleuth footing you for the story right away. I was going to ask, hey, any good stories? But I think Josh has already taken care of that one for us. If, if anyone's ever seen me out in the daylight, I, they know I like to wear layers. So uh, I, I had my, my pants on, my shorts on, and he's like, I don't have any shorts. I was like, ah, I'm probably going to keep my pants on all day anyway. Lucky, so. lucky for you. <laughs> but yeah, they said nickel because I'm pretty obnoxious. So uh, I don't know why the beach crew had to get custom shorts that year, but we did. And a player wore them. It worked out well, though. Do you remember that? Was that a U15 or U16 tournament? You were young. Yeah, I was 15 or 14. Yeah. Like I, was, I didn't even know you very well. No. I was like, it was just like, we were now, I'd say friends. Yeah. But, yeah. But, but, but then it was just, I was a 14-year-old kid. You were part of the head of the beach over here, right? So you were giving 14-year-old boys your clothes. <laughs> I privately Yes, I know. <laughs> you were giving 14-year-old boys you had met clothes that you had worn. You know, I'm I'm a pretty good read of character, and I could tell that this kid really needed help that day. And he, you know, he wore shorts to a beach trip. It was a nice day. I went to the privacy of our trailer. I removed the layer of clothing. How many times was the privacy of our trailer used in in court? <laughs> <laughs> and then he was nice enough to wash them and return them. So uh, all around good guy, and that's how we became best friends that day. That's quite yeah. the entrance of a of a, uh, of a guest on the pod. I, I don't know if we can ever talk to that. We'll see if this makes the air. We'll yeah. see if we leave it in. But uh, moving on to more recent stuff, uh, school started. How's U of T looking? That's great. It's great. We just had our training camp. Um, yeah, we got a couple fun recruits in and uh, a lot of vets on the team. So excited for the year. Yeah, we were talking before the show. You you kind of came in as a first year and were expected to do stuff and you started. And now you're a fifth year, right? Can you just describe what the different mood is? Maybe coming in as a first year and kind of like, oh, I really want to play. I got a battle versus... Is it a little calmer being a fifth year? Yeah, you're less worried about the school aspect, especially as a fifth year having almost done that degree now. And all, it's like, I don't know, first year you're in and you're you're worried about school, residence, even like volleyball-wise, like you have no idea what to expect. Like you know, ladies! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ladies and, and that as well, but now it's kind of, you, you know that your days are numbered, one, at the school, and uh, kind of, it's, it's exciting to have a chance to do something special. Now, we've had a U of T guy on. We've had Chris Tao on the show, and he's talked about, uh, he's pretty excited because you didn't graduate too much last year. Is that fair to say? We had one guy leave from med- medical school, and that was it. Big brain Ian? Big brain uh, Ian. Ian Burns, love that guy. So, talk about these recruits you've got, because it sounds like everybody's just kind of a year older, right? Yeah, like we have, we have everybody's a year older, and then we got two California recruits that uh, don't even know each other, ironically. So, I don't think, as far as I know, we... California's a small place. Yeah, well, no, I'm saying one San Fran and one, I want to say San Diego. He's going to be right. mad at me if I don't get that wrong. But, but uh, yeah, I know one middle, Jasper Neal, 6'9 middle, can, can rip a ball. And uh, Ryan's son, our setter. How do you find California guys to come to the University of Toronto? I don't know. I think it's the school. It's it's. I think one one guy had Canadian citizenship, so that worked out well for 
for us and, and domestic fees and such. But um, I don't know. They, they both – well, Jasper came for a recruiting trip. I remember he stayed at me and Chris's place, actually, last year. And uh, So assist for the commit there. You yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah, good yeah what's the commission look like on bringing in a recruit like that? <laughs> Not much, not much. Just put it that way. But no, we got a, we got a great player in return, and uh, and he's really actually, both the both California guys really gelled well so far, at least the first couple of weeks. But yeah, them too. We got John Dudding, a Georgetown Georgetown mutt, old hockey player, grinder, and uh, sister Jake McBeal there. I think he started coaching club around that group, and he kind of brought them up where there was Dudding, and Abrams, and yeah. a few other. Guys. And Chris, I think, actually coached them too. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think so. that's that's the yeah. Big things happen in Georgetown. I guess, right? I don't know, the real deal, Jake McNeil's the biggest thing to come out of Georgetown. Uh, I'm going to fangirl a little bit here. Can you share some experience now that you've been around them for a few years? Like, what's it like practicing with Jordan Figueroa every day? It just seems like in a game he does some crazy stuff. Like, is he on in practice too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's like, he's one of the few guys I can say is as competitive as I am. Like, I, like I'm, I'm very... Fire eating mass anybody I've, I've played with. I, I do like to yell and scream, even if it's a stupid game of Wallace or whatever. And he'll be the first one to scream back at me or whatever if I'm playing against him and stuff. And it's all love after, but like that guy, uh, guy works his butt off and uh, plays hard. I feel like if he's three or four inches taller, we're talking about one of the best setters in the country. But he's just he's had to make the most with what he is because I think they might list him as six feet. I don't think he's six feet. Is he? Yeah, I don't know. I'll give him six feet because because okay. uh, we're talking here and uh, just moved in with him. But uh, okay. yeah, but uh, so he's a hard five ten. <laughs> yeah, no, but hey, he's he's touching eye now. I think he touched eleven this How year. How many so, pairs of socks does so. he wear? <laughs> don't know about that. Don't know about that. But yeah. Nice. And with you being there for a few years now, how did uh, Chris Tao really affect the team there? Because he really, he was a highly touted Ontario guy. He goes to U of A, and now that he comes back and chooses U of T, did you guys kind of feel you won the lottery a little bit? Like, has he kind of changed the dynamic? Yeah. No, he was he was a great guy to have, and coming from such a successful program, right, and at U of A, and having an immediate impact, clearly, because you can see from our standings and records, we've made a difference with everybody else coming up, and Chris coming in, and... Yeah, he was just a great guy to kind of get everybody focused on, hey, we can actually do this and make us believe. And Yeah, no, he was a good team guy. I was lucky he was also he's one of those Pac-Man guys I always get close with as well. I know Dallas is frowning right now. I'm not happy, but yeah. Everyone always talks about how great Pac-Man is, how great Pac-Man is. I think Pac-Man had like two good teams ever. Like, I don't know. Oof, hot that's take. such oh. a pop. That is such a pop. Hot take of the day. Like, I don't know. When I, I don't think any guys played club or played university that were my age from Pac-Man. I think it was all like, you know, it was the, the Deering and Terrell show when I was in 16U and they were in 18U and then it was, you know, Coster's team and everything in between. And I don't know. Maybe I'm out of the game. Dallas is stuck in this time machine where he really only remembers his playing days, and if anything happened before or after that, he doesn't remember. He still thinks Garrett May is the best player on the national team. I think. Just... <laughs> I don't know. I think. I think. I think Pacman, especially after that kind of after your generation went, I think they've kind of. Consistently, it started with you guys and Zach Elber were really good, and then Shawan and Jordan and after, and, yeah. and then Cole Kedrzinski's teams were just real good. Uh, excuse me, Xander and Thomas Sawyer were kind of in that middle area between you. They're like. They, they've pumped out some national championship squads, put kids on the national team. I think, I think they're I doing know? okay. What do I know? Uh, but in your era, I agree with you that they were just, I don't know. After the Deering era, I felt like everybody got like really confident and they wanted to do their stupid meter ball warm-up and just it didn't look as good. Uh, but uh, they've got the horses now, I feel. They, they had the um, Nathan Murdoch and uh, Brandon Coppers year as well. That wasn't bad. That was two years older than me, I think. Yeah, that was a fun uh, bulldog at Provincials, actually, because <laughs> they went from like dominating their age group, and then at Provincials, I think they took a fourth. Nathan Murdoch like ripped his jersey in half and threw it on the ground when they lost. It was just uh, Ricky Brower was on that team. Yeah, 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 they were real good until Provincials, and then the wheels fell you off. Know, and funny. it was the C personalities like that just crumble. It was... I shouldn't laugh because they were still kids at the time, but it, it was funny. I think when we were at York together, they would practice with us. Wasn't That's it? right. Yeah, that is that it was squad. that team. I remember that. It's unfortunate that they had to fold up like that. <laughs> you know, but, when you run around the halls of Rim Park doing the Budo chants and all that stuff, because they were at York and then you guys the brought Budo in Budo. Chance. So when they're being loud and obnoxious and they fold up, everybody was kind of secretly been like, uh, yeah, take that. Yeah, well, yeah. I think that's part of the Pac-Man little mantra. I think it's a little bit of the target on the back after those kind of years. After the Budo stuff we started doing and yes. all that, like, but so, I'm always Pac-Man Pac forever on that point. Shout so, out um, to Budo yeah. University. Yeah. Yeah. It's all in good fun. 
you want a quick segue how that that had happened? Because you were at York when they came over, right? I was at York the first year that they came over, and then York actually went to Japan. So we actually had a two-year deal with Budo where every second year they would come to the Excalibur. And then in lieu of them coming to the Excalibur one year, York men actually sent a team, the team that I was on, for a two-week camp. Uh, one week of just volleyball with Budo in the university, and then one week in Japan and Tokyo as, I think they called it like a cultural immersion program. So it was, I think it was funded by the university where we only had to pay our, our plane tickets out there. Um, but our whole preseason was spent in Japan with, uh, with Budo and what could have been uh, a sauna. I think it was like 40 degrees there every day. <laughs> We had so them last year, actually. They came, they, they came, they came to yeah, Toronto so last year, I yeah. Think I think they're, they're still coming, but uh, not a word of English. A lot of <laughs> hand movements, but like some of the most disciplined people I've ever met. Like They had, they traveled like a, they had a, a, a travel team and like an academy team, so there was just practice players. But on that travel team that came to Canada, they had towel players who would stand at the end of the bench and run onto the court with a towel, wipe it up, and run back onto the bench whenever someone dove or, like, you know, their sneakers, like, there, there was traction. So it was like, they traveled, say, 15 guys, but three of them were towel boys. Yeah, I'm the third string towel guy, but next year I'm really going to yeah. push to start, you know? <laughs> but it was, it was crazy, too, because they billeted us and we billeted them when we traveled, but it was just, like, the cultural stuff, too. Like, you would give them food and they wouldn't touch it until, like, you were essentially giving them permission to eat. And where I'm thinking, like, man, like, your food's in front of you, like, have at it, like, and they're like, no, we're just gonna sit here, like, you can't, like, they, I don't understand English, we don't understand Japanese, so it's just, like, this cultural loo of, I don't know what to do in this situation, so you have to, like, hand gesture them to do certain things. Then, as soon as you start drinking, that's, I guess, the commonality, <laughs> because they have these elaborate, like, uh, chants and, like, hurrahs that are all circused around beer, and I think we brought some of that with us to our practice just because we were having such a fun time like laughing at it and it's so funny that like you say you know a bunch of these underage teenage kids are yelling budo chants and uh, probably all actually these are like drinking songs that they had queued <laughs> <laughs> like, up from like this is our last night in Canada we're getting hammered yeah so all a good time yeah good I mean I mean, you know what probably they probably felt the same way after singing that song as the budos guys did singing the song but, uh, <laughs> yeah that's funny. Good. So looking into the OUA, I mean, you, you don't have to compliment too many people if you don't want to, but kind of just give us a preview. Who else is looking pretty strong this year? Obviously, you guys are in the conversation. Uh, so obviously, Queens, I would say, because they did dethrone uh, Mac. Uh, McMaster was always a good team. Uh, Ryerson, we always have good fights with them, and last year, I think we split with them, and they're also a young team, and growing. Yeah, Joel Hannon liked to proclaim that they are the bad boys of the OUA. I don't know if anyone <laughs> confirmed that. Uh, yeah. I can't confirm or deny, but uh, let's stir the pot. Let's no. really start a rivalry, Dallas, just with passing dimes. We're going to make this into this big thing, and the players aren't even going to care. They're not going to know what we're talking about, but we're just going to start rumors that could be true, you know and it's what? really going to stir it up. That's the whole mantra I like to live my life by, Josh, is, yeah, he said it, it could be true. I don't know. <laughs> Did you hear what Joel just said about Koss and pissed out at UT? You know what? <laughs> when Joel came on the pod and was talking about how, like, they're the bad boys of the OUA, I'm thinking, man, like, do I ever wish I could play and be on the court so I could, like, really rip into these guys and start chirping them to see, like, they fold up? Because, like, if you're if you're good at what you do and you're, like, a bad boy, like, if you're not folding at chirps. Like, I will chirp, but I'll also get probably chirp the hardest. So I'm curious, because I don't know. I think some of these guys are soft. There's my second hot take. <laughs> Well, I remember there was one one play, I think, when we went there to Ryerson. I think Nick Truon hit a pipe and went under the net. And I think you can verify this. This is from my last year recollection. But I remember him either getting shoved or something on that side. Because he, I don't know, he scored. But he either, I don't remember who, who did it, but pushed him on their side of the net. Right? Like when he jumped over. And then that started some words. And that kind of set the tone for our whole rivalry the whole season. But... I don't know. I think we went, we went farther, so that's my thing. I think we uh, got the best of that. So yeah, I mean, coming from a York standpoint, it was always a big recruiting point to win the Toronto matches, yeah. so that you could have the the, tr the best team in Toronto title. Mm -hmm. I think if you if you were to go, what we played twenty games when I was in in university. So if you were to go four and 
16, but your two wins came at Ryerson and U of T, and then it was a successful year, according to to them. So We need more rivalries like this. Like, the Ohio State-Michigan one's one of my favorite in all sports, where they don't even say each other's names. There, were, there was examples this year where Ohio State crossed out every M on campus. Like, it's the name of, of the athletic center was like the Michael Cronin athletic center the M would get crossed out like they didn't even allow any of that type of stuff they don't say their names where let's not forget passing nine's gonna stir the pot <laughs> so much that U of T's gonna hate Ryerson we and should. vice versa I, you know what I'd like to see a little more disaster in this pot but let's not forget the biggest rivalry of them all is Rutgers Northwestern <laughs> <laughs> uh, good inside joke yeah, so <laughs> ooh Rutgers yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, thank you for that update. Uh, I've had enough indoor talk for right now because it's still warm outside and we yeah. trained outside today, so to the beach! Oh, my favorite. Uh, what was your start in beach? Was it the Pac-Man programming or how did you decide to get into uh, beach volleyball? My dad was always a big fan of beach volleyball. He never played any high level, but it was like, he, like we were talking before on the show, uh, his best friend's Roman Coker. So uh, we ended up, they played beach together, they were beach partners, so I ended up Watching, I remember Andrew playing a 13U beach volleyball tournament. I don't, maybe even Dallas was there. I have a vague recollection of you playing at that point. I remember but, hearing of a couple courts down. Yeah, yeah probably, that's, uh, <laughs> probably more likely, but I don't know. Where are the whistleblown cards are flying? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I just kind of growing up a little bit on the beach, dad put me there. And then the uh, first real competitive thing I had was with Jesse Satie and uh, that Pac-Man Beach program that's produced so many good beach athletes. Yeah, because we, we talked to Jake when he was on the episode. That's a way back, but that's like episode three if you guys want to go back and listen to that. That Jake was one of those kids who would play both days every weekend no matter what. I feel like you followed that, where you must have been in Ashbridge's every weekend, both days, hammering it out. Yeah. Uh, your parents obviously must have been very supportive for you to be making a run at it, right? Well, they just big, weren't doing anything in Saturday's <laughs> No, no, that, it's the biggest shout-out to Mom and Dad. They uh, they definitely, all those all those Cobra trips, stayed overnight, yeah. that Best Western, all that stuff. Like We did, like... Every every possible opportunity. I remember doing tournaments at Sobel with Liam Gray. There's a there's a there's a there's a throwback. There's a throwback. Yeah. But Sobel tournaments were that. I stopped scrapes. I think from Sobel. I think one of my there. favorite stories, and we won't give him any more airtime because he doesn't need it, is uh, Jake McNeil. Where he said he <laughs> played. I think what was it like an Ottawa tournament on a Saturday and drove back to play the Hamilton tournament the Sunday. Well, to be fair, Kelly drove, but Jake well, was sleeping in the car. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, like no hotel. Like you're you're making a day trip up to Ottawa. Obviously, I'm imagining you're staying over the first night, but you drive, you know, you're driving from Ottawa after you play to Hamilton to play again, like to, you know, third hot take of the day, two really not competitive beach volleyball tournaments just to get the reps in. Like, I, hey, I commend that. Yeah, so it definitely paid off. So what was your first kind of experience beyond OVA and Nationals? Was it that U.S. tournament? Yeah, yeah, that was, I think, when I was 16. That How'd you was, hear about this one, or how'd you qualify for this? That was the Team Ontario okay. thing, so that was when Eddie and Angie and all that stuff, and they, were, they gave the opportunity for me and Zach, I was playing with Zach Albert at that point, and uh, they said, do you want to go to Hermosa and play this tournament? And we were like, sure. <laughs> so we ended up going, and... Uh, the caveat yeah. being, were your expenses covered? No, oh, okay. they were not, yeah. so we had to so, cover that, yeah. but... Um, but yeah, that's that's always the big thing. But no, we, we had a blast with it, and that was probably I would say peaked at sixteen, seventeen. That was the that was <laughs> that, that was the best year. That it was should the, be a hashtag. Yeah, peaked there. But uh, no, we did we had a great time and did quite well. And uh, yeah, it's funny when you look back at all those players we played. I remember still keeping contact with some of them, like uh, Kyle Skinner, another guy who played for U.S. for all those youth tournaments, and now plays at Ohio State. Uh, I remember playing him in the final. And he played with Matt Yoshimoto, is the Lewis starting setter, I think. So it's funny just watching those guys grow up from like 16, right, and playing yeah, them yeah. in that same tournament, right? There's a few other ones I can't remember. But. So at that time, you were a big beach guy, right? Like, do you have any first impressions from Hermosa? Because everybody who's never been there hears Hermosa, and it's like, oh, that's like the Mecca, right? Yeah. That's like USA Beach Volleyball in a nutshell, right? Yeah, that's, that's by far my favorite place to play beach volleyball, or even just go to, I would say. Like, that's like the only place in the world that I've been to, at least. Dallas can maybe attest to this, that... There's beach volleyball is playing at the bars or at the pubs and stuff. Like, I've never seen that. I don't know. Maybe in Brazil or something. You're, you're, but ready, you're ready for my third big moment of the pod here? <laughs> this might be fourth. I don't know. Who's keeping track of this? <laughs> Jim, what number uh, are we on? We need our summer intern back. Never been to California. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You've been so, to Poland. You've been to Brazil. You've been... 23 countries. Australia. 23 countries beach volleyball has taken me not to California once. Really? Yeah. 
I recommend it. It is a, it's I a lovely hear, place. From what, from what Andy's telling me, it's very, very nice. <laughs> I've Let's, only been to like Long Beach and Anaheim. I can't even say I've been to like Manhattan or Hermosa, like the, the nice spots. So I, I recommend it. The, Big shout out to California on the quad. Love, uh, love for their you know parks and tourism to have us out there. <laughs> just, just waiting for our call. <laughs> waiting on my shift, Dion. Just waiting on my shift, California. Uh, yeah, so maybe let's uh, stay on that again. So you mentioned there's a lot of players there. Is the sand as deep as they say? Like, oh, what was your first training experience like? Like my my cardio is terrible. That's always I was <laughs> never I was never the fittest guy, nor the tallest, nor the thing. And I remember stepping there for one training session, and I was absolutely exhausted after the first warm up of five minutes. So having like seeing that and and seeing how people play through it, like it's a completely different game. Like it's like everybody. I found at least at that youth level, it was a lot more shots compared to the hitting at Ashbridges and stuff. So that was kind of more of my game as well. So I fit in there, but I don't know. I had a blast playing there. And the, the deep dish hand setting, that was always what everybody told me. And it was, and I was very true. Like you could hold the ball as long as you want, but if there comes an ounce, a rotation of spin, it's being called. And they'll let you know. Oh, they will. And I remember I did it at one point. You can ask Zach on this as well. I think there's actually film on it somewhere, but I set three balls that were doubles in a row. And I kept telling the ref, keep calling, keep calling. I dare, I dare you. These aren't double. I was maybe a rotation and a half. Barely anything. It was windy too. And I was, I don't know, it's very frustrated. But learning experience, no doubt. You're down 9 0. Yeah. Figure, what am I going to do here? You yeah. won't call me five times. You won't call me six times. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was stubborn and still am. So. And meanwhile, Zach's probably like, man, I feel like I'm passing pretty well yeah. right now. <laughs> hey, man, why don't you go on two or something? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, but yeah, it's even like that whole atmosphere though. Like going back to that, like in seeing all the pro players. Like I remember the second time we went, I went with Sahil the next year. Sahil Pune, big shout out there. But he, um, I remember we ended up seeing. I think it was at that time Phil and Sean Rosenthal were playing together, and like they were like a court over, and then they ended up serving balls at us for like five minutes, like Sean, like Sean's float serve and stuff. And I was like, this is the coolest thing as like a. Young Did you fangirl it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my god, yeah. Oh, fuck, you definitely was... peaked at 16. Yeah, that, that, that Excuse was me, good, Mr. Yeah. Rosenthal. Would you mind serving some balls at us? Yeah, yeah, no, it was it, it was it was pretty cool. And then, then like we were talking about before the show, the big one was uh now that's relevant is uh well sorry, not that Sean's not relevant or Phil wasn't, but 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 probably more oh, relevant than he was. Him on the pod too. No, no, I don't mean to do that. first hot take oh. of the show. <laughs> oh no, it was I think the guy that I always remember was uh, Adrian Carambula. Right, uh, I remember seeing him and uh, the U.S. guy saying, "Oh yeah, this guy is really good." And I've never heard of this guy, and I watched like ADP, and I was like, "I've still never heard of this guy at this point." He was this little, like, short, maybe a little chubby as well, and and he came up to it was that second time came up to me, Jake, Craig Ireland, and Sahil Pune, and was like, "I'll play you guys for lunch," and we're like. What do you mean? Getting hustled <laughs> by this guy. Yeah, and, and, we're, and we're like, what in the world? Like, we, we thought we were half decent, right? If some random guy comes off the beach, right? And and he's like, yeah, one on two. And we're like, sick, free lunch. Like, we're, like <laughs> I won't say no, right? And uh, he's like, yeah, one caveat. Like, if you lose, I get to film you and get you guys to face plant in the sand. And you buy me lunch. And we're like, deal. Like, no problem, right? So the first game, I think, was me and Jake versus uh, Adrian himself, right? And believe it or not, this guy beats us. It was 21, 17, 21, 18 by himself, skyballing and absolutely reading the hell out of us. But yeah, and then I think we lost and uh, Craig and uh, Sahil lost as well. So I think the one he posted actually was Craig and Sahil. So if you still go to his Facebook page, like, I don't know what year that would have been, 2013, 2014. <laughs> you got some scrolling to do. Yeah, you got some scrolling to do, but he, like, it's still on there from, when I, from the last time I checked. So, But that was like one of the coolest experiences to see him now. Like he's... One of the best defenders in the what world. What a stupid Instagram post. Yeah. Totally hustled these kids for lunch. <laughs> oh, I'm the man. Yeah. Like, there's no way I'm looking for that. If anything, I'd call him up. Like, hey, dude, what's your deal? I, he ended up playing, I think, one the 16-year-old kid. Like, sort of saying, we were 16. I think he was 14-year-old kid. I think Brandon. He actually knew him. But he ended up playing him, like, every day for lunch. And it was Paradise Bowl. I got to give a shout-out to them as well. Like, that was, like, the biggest thing to eat and stuff. Just when Acai Bowl. But uh, he ended up playing this game. Instead of getting lunch from him, he put him in a garbage can and rolled him down the Hermosa sand for like a court. And I was like, what the hell are you doing? Kind of thing. And he's, I don't know, he was probably the most most competitive guy I've ever seen in my life. Like he's like, he's comparable to Jay Clutch we were talking about before the show. Like he... Just hanging out of the beach just, looking for uh, kids to bat. Yeah. Like, like yeah. <laughs> Comes home, what did you do today? Ah, I put a kid in a garbage can and rolled down the beach. <laughs> Got a free lunch. Ah. Uh, uh. 
So when was the moment you clicked where you probably saw him on the world tour? Like, is that the guy? Yeah. <laughs> I want to say like two years after. I think I saw him. Acai and granola yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, I think two years after. I want to say he played in the AVP and made a final or two. And I was like, and I was watching when they still have the a, I think he did. I think it was the AVP on ABC. Right? Or they NBC. Was, NBC was, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Either either one. Like. I remember watching it, I was like, damn, that's the same guy, right? And he shed a couple pounds, and he has a partner, he's not playing by himself, and yeah, no, he, uh, yeah, he, he did pretty well for himself. He made the Olympics. <laughs> he made the Olympics, yeah. He just had a good uh, world champs, too. They were playing a very entertaining style of volleyball with the speed offense, and the sky ball's always been there, but they're doing some razzle-dazzle they stuff beat, that's really uh, good. They beat Dalhauser and Lucina, too. Upset of a tournament. He doesn't look the part, but no. uh, he can play. He acts the part, for sure. <laughs> Must be all those damn paradise balls. <laughs> I say, even in that in the World Championships, I don't think he was getting a sky serve in, like, in the stadium. I think one of them, the main court had a top over it, and he was hitting the roof with the sky ball. I remember seeing a Snapchat story from my buddy. It, doesn't, like, you don't, it, it doesn't do it justice until you see it in person. Like, you think you can rip like, a high sky ball? This guy hammers them to the moon. Like, they're so high, and I don't understand how he's got so much accuracy with it, but in talking with him, he has, like, two serves where one pushes you back and one keeps you forward, so he knows what sort of... He doesn't really know the location of where it's going to be, like, left side, right side, but he can put the depth on it pretty good. He knows, this. okay, this one's going to push him back, or this one's going to be close to Manette, and, like, he can just... He, like, there's even strategy to his sky ball, so it's, it's wild. I didn't realize how skilled he was until World Champs in Holland that one year. They just had like a bunch of venues and one was on the water and they had like one of those cruise ships that must be whatever story high or whatever. And Brink was the reporter and he caught one like it was a punch in football. Basically, Caribula could serve it that high into his lap. Like that's how good he is with this thing. It's insane. Like, Anyways, so you bought him lunch. Yeah. Best yeah. friends forever. A few times, honestly, throughout that week. But Can't wait to have him on the pod for his side of the story. Yeah, do you have his number? We can yeah. get him on the pod. <laughs> Nice. So that wasn't your last experience with high performance volleyball. You didn't peak at 16 U because you went to a U21 Worlds, and it's in Dallas and I's favorite story place, China. Let's just take it from there. What was U21 Worlds like? What was trials like? First of all, let's get into that. Yeah, trials was fun. Uh, again, me and uh, my best buddy Austin Valius ended up doing it and trying out, but it was kind of a last minute thing for us. We, but uh, two months before, we were like, hey, I was like. I saw this on thing. Do you want to try out? He just saw this on the website, and uh, he's like, "Sure." He's like, "Do you want to practice?" And he's like, "Sure." And we didn't have a coach. We went through the whole trials without a coach, and I think, and we went to North Beach. I think every day for a month and a half to play six on six people and random recreational people to train, right? And just the two of us, and it worked out, and we ended up getting the final loss to Taiwan to Tom and Logan, yeah. friends of the show. But uh, but yeah, yeah, no. And, Who uh, else was in that tournament? Uh, Braden Montgomery and Justin Feaster, two BC guys, uh, Christian Frick, and I don't remember who he played with that tournament. You know, Frick, Another uh, Scotia guy, maybe? Yeah, I don't yeah. remember the Scotia guy. I don't honestly, I remember I that was the top. I remember a lot of them. But yeah. No, none of those are huge tournaments, <laughs> right? But they're always Hey, like, man, they know. used to be huge tournaments. I yeah. remember, well, it was different for whatever reason. When I did my trials, we did it in... August outside and you did it a month before the event and if you won you were you were Canada one but then you got Canada two was nominated yes. so it wasn't you know for people that don't know the structure uh, in Canada basically to nominate uh, for continental events or for junior events you take the first place team and you sort of go down the board the second place team will be Canada two the third place team will be Canada three and however many spots Canada gets that's how they do it. But when I was in my first world championships, which is 2012, uh, Nick Del Bianco, Ben Chow won. Grant O'Gorman, Aaron Nussbaum came second. I think I came fifth. Um, but then the three teams that went were Nick and Ben, Canada won. Uh, Garrett May and I were nominated as Canada two. Aaron and Grant were nominated as Canada three. And I think... I think that's a, the good way of doing it. I think I think sometimes the way tournaments get structured, you can an upset could happen. And you know what? If you're the best on that day, you're the best on that day, you deserve to go. But I think sometimes if you want to do well, I think you, you put your best guys together for, for a second nomination. 
Yeah, I think, yeah, there, there's a lot of different ways to do it. I think looking back on athlete development and who's actually taken a youth world spot and then transferred it to being an FIB World Tour player, I think the nomination thing is maybe working a little bit better than the system right now. Yeah. But uh, I see value in both. I see the value of very evaluation-friendly. You won, so you get to go, like little things like that. But, um, yeah, there, I think there's a time and place. Mike Mantenga, who was just on the show, talked about how he moved to Toronto with basically – not even a promise that he would go, a yeah. chance to be nominated, right? So it did draw more athletes in, and you could kind of say, you know, you're physically on point to be maybe a main draw player someday, so we're going to nominate you. Like, there's, there's some give and take there, I think, for sure. It's an interesting thing we'll have to get our intern to look into, is how many people have played a youth event and a senior world tour event. Yeah, because in other countries it stands out, and we can name Cantor Lozier and all these guys, but Canadians, I think there's a few that it's kind of the peak. I think it's 50-50 if I was to take a ballpark on it. I'd say 50% go and 50% don't. Interesting. Interesting. Well, let's get back to our guest. You and I could talk later. (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So, you get to China. Uh, Friends who listened to Thomas and Logan's episode, you know, maybe we won't tell the same story twice, but... uh, Bit of a ghost town, eh? Bit of a weird city to host an international event in. Man, yeah. Like, we originally were told it was in Nanjing, right? Which is, like, I think it was still written on the website and stuff. The actual city... I, was, I think it was. I well, always thought it was in Nanjing. So, so it is. Like, that's that's where they drop you off in the airport. It's a pretty big city, but the actual tournament was held in Tangshan. Like, probably an hour outside, right? So this is, like, in the middle of nowhere. Like, like when we got there, like, we had no... like. There was one mall that we always joke about. I'm sure Tom and Logan yeah. talked about it, but it was just like, we called it Nuketown from like Call of Duty. Like there was like absolutely no one there. Like there's only, everything was overpriced. No, not a single person was shopping there, but the volleyball players. Like it was like really creepy, but. And the hotel was far from the venue, wasn't it? Uh, it's not probably like a 25 minute walk. Oh, okay. I was so, glad to believe it was further, but that's not too bad. That's not yeah, bad at all. No, no. Compared to other places, that's not bad at all. No, it wasn't too bad. But like, again, the, the whole, like, you've been to China through all, all that stuff, it, it's its own kind of animal. So I remember turning on the faucet the first time and uh, becoming orange, like highlighter orange, the water, <laughs> you know, in the, in the hotel that's supposed to be or the main draw. But it's a five-star hotel, I swear. Yeah, yeah, so that was quite the experience. But, Sir, uh, is the water supposed to be <laughs> neon green? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but yeah. Well, let's talk about the tournament a little bit. Uh, how early did you guys arrive? Did you get a chance to train with some teams, meet some friends? Yeah, we, uh, yeah, we came, I think, I'm going to say five days early, five, six days early. So we had a good amount of time to kind of get used to it. Uh, we ended up training against uh, Poland 1, which we actually won a practice match against, which was hey. to our surprise. So now... <laughs> yeah, to our surprise. But it was it was a great match. And uh, who else we play against? Uh, the Dutch team, who I went to go visit this summer. Actually, I became really good friends Still with. Still friends with? Still nice. friends with. Um, are else? they trying to make a run at beach volleyball? Or are they they are, actually. Or? Ruben Penenga and Mace Blum. Give him a shout oh. out here. Yeah, they're they uh, Ruben uh, plays with Jas Boutier. Boutier. He's like they're do, they were they played a few. Events I recognize those names. I feel like Mike and Aaron have played them. I've scouted those guys. I don't know Andy's pronunciation is putting me on the ball. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't um, not the best of that. But uh, let's but yeah, not no. get into pronouncing last <laughs> <my> names. <laughs> Working on the OBA Beach tour, I apologize to anyone who had a Polish background because once it got past like the third syllable, I was just mumbling. There's like, a lot of partners. <laughs> Yo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I handed that roll off to Josh Taylor, the voice of the beach. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, but we so have back yeah. to China. It's <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. longest story we ever had on the podcast, and it might not even pay off. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> excited to see where it ends. Yeah, so, but yeah, we ended up. We played a few of those practice matches, and uh, it actually worked out all well. And we did that old players meeting because we were the qualifi- qualification team, and. Uh, we drew the U.S., which again wasn't our favorite draw. Of I don't know, we were looking at like Ukraine, Puerto Rico, um, I don't know, some other like again historically not as good beach volleyball things. But we prepared for it, and we we didn't have our best game, <laughs> no doubt about that. And uh, again, after it, we uh, had to settle down and stuff. But we we made the most of the whole trip, and uh, we ended up playing like a little practice tournament after and stuff with all the teams that got knocked out, and that was a cool experience. And uh, we ended up playing that same U.S. team again, ironically. And, winning a match so it was pretty quite upsetting but uh, but again that, like that I remember that qualification was quite tough I remember like that whole I remember the lucky loser who came in I think it was the Austrian team uh, ended up coming in fourth 
out of the qualifications. So I remember seeing like there's I don't know if that often happens, right? But well, it's, it's interesting. So hard to rank that. Event. It's interesting uh, because a lot of the stronger countries, like Brazil, often will send in youth events the stronger team to the qualifier, knowing that they will qualify, so that they will have two teams uh, in in the main draw, which is tough because. Right. The North American model is you you know you send the, the better team to the to the main draw you send the what you think is the stronger team to the main draw but yeah, yeah so qual man we talked about this at length all the time qualifications its own its own animal it really is a different tournament like the way you prep for it is way different getting off the plane the knowing stress, you're in the qualifier man. versus the main draw being in and even in world tour events like you know the absolute stress you have of playing in a qualification to getting on the plane getting settled compared to like main draw like you know when if you lose your first game it's okay you got another rebound you lose your game like that's it you're done go home yeah i remember actually in speaking to logan i think the qualifier team that was entered into their pool ended up taking like a ninth so that was yeah. an especially strong tournament for just these random teams coming out of nowhere right yeah. so um Without spoiling too much, I don't know what we can say on air. Uh, it seemed like that was a pretty inclusive tournament. Thomas mentioned that uh, he made a lot of friends at that event. Was it fair to say some of the international teams were just there for a good time once they were out of the tournament? Yeah, yeah. I can't say. I know Austin uh, can definitely attest to that as well, and Logan and Tom, I'm sure, did too. But uh, we uh, we definitely had our good time after. Several apple juices and all that stuff, and that's uh, had some drinks after. But uh, no, we ended up like making lifelong friends. There's no doubt about that. Like we, I think me and Austin after that qualification day had. I was telling you before the show, we had about 35, 40 people in our double person room kind of thing for we had a we had a nice little get together and ended up meeting a lot of people and uh yeah had a good time it was a lot you of you gotta fun. win the players party sometimes Al. that's what you really gotta do never won a players party never aspired to win a players party <laughs> well it's not it's not ideal right but uh but no we ended up yeah it was it was a lot of fun met a lot of good friends and uh yeah, yeah still talking nice hopefully we'll see you on the beach uh soon again you didn't play this summer at all did you Played one tournament with uh, Stinner, but uh, no, no, again, I got concussed in the middle of the summer and uh, still kind of recovering from that now, but uh, yeah, hopefully, that's, that's, that, that, that would be the goal, no doubt, but uh, loving coaching as well. It's yeah, I was just going to, speaking of segues, I was just going to talk about that. You're not gone from the beach game because you were coaching all summer, right? Yeah. Was Laura Condotta there a lot too? Yeah, like, so me and Laura actually run the uh, Titans Beach program. So, yeah, we're, she's my assistant, so she's gone half. She actually still plays on the world tour and stuff, so she's gone for a few weeks of the of the summer, but I'm there most of the took time. Took a second in nationals, but she's your assistant. Yes. She's, yeah. she's really just there to demo and explain drills. And yeah, like no, no, she's, no, like, <laughs> we're very good friends, so it's, so it's a, it's a nice, nice combo to have, and, uh, yeah, like, our program's grown, we've done it for two years now, and, uh, yeah, like, we've seen a lot of girls have great results, our 12U girls actually won provincials, hey. Ariana and Athalia, so shout out to them, they, they did quite well sure this year. Sure, listen. Yeah, yeah. They better be. They better be. They better be. We're going to be uh, getting a whole different demographic after this episode here, Toss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, we had a great time doing that, and then I have a few guys I coach as well privately, so I have a bunch of 16U boys, and uh, two of my boys won nationals this year, so that was great. They're listening. We've yeah. cornered that. We've cornered that, yeah, yeah. Kenneth, Kenneth and sure. uh, Poonit, and uh, yeah, no, it was great. It was now, great. I don't want to spend too much time on this, because I do want to get back to your, your stories from the road and everything. I, I just thought of this when you said you had a really good 12U team. They play beach, and they're using three contacts, and it looks really good, but when they go back into indoor, they have to play triple ball. Do you not find that fascinating, that they can play two-on-two, two and it looks like volleyball, but then indoor, they have to modify it. I get that there's more kids around, and they might not be as experienced, but... In your coaching experience, like your twelve U's are ready to play volleyball, essentially. Yeah. Well, right? there's there's spin serving and running. See, that's shoot what sets. I found amazing. It's like, right? it's, like, yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, I am big. Yeah, I I that, I'm with Dallas on that one. That's. Uh, I don't even know. It is where did where, question for the intern? Where did it come from? Why is it here? Does anybody else do it? Screw the intern. I'll take that one because I was at the OVA when it happened. I believe it started in Alberta. I thought it was a really good idea because Jason Zerpanya, who was the OVA technical director, very evidence-based. Like, we would never make a decision without having evidence. So between Jason, myself, and I think a few other coaches who volunteered, we actually started Staddy. And we found out uh, 14U was the youngest. And at, not at Tier 1, but at the lower tiers of 14U in the OVA at that time, the serve was influencing over 70% of the play where it resulted in a miss serve a shank or a clean ace. 
So for the parents who freaked out in the beginning then when we started playing triple ball, well, this isn't volleyball. Well, I went and scouted your daughter <laughs> in Wingham, Ontario at a Trillium Level 14U tournament, and I can tell you right now, that wasn't volleyball either because it was a kid serving. Shout out Wingham, Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so that then it got installed, but I feel like triple ball, as volleyball continues to grow, needs to keep moving down the line, right? Like when it first started, it was a 14U thing. Now the 14Us are playing. 13Us are real good, and now you've just demonstrated you got 12Us who can play, right? Yeah. So, to clarify, this is a Canadian invention? I believe it is, yes. I gotta say, the <laughs> telephone was much better. <laughs> <laughs> I think it gets kids playing volleyball. There's more net play involved. You actually get a set. There's like maybe rallies that have to be produced from this game. But uh, it, I'm just so conflicted when I see kids like the athletes you were coaching who can just flat out play. And then we like slow the game down, and I don't think that helps their development. Yeah. Well, even another another one is the set. They played on a seven by seven court, right in beach, and like we train. I know they're like the I guess the anomaly of that age group, right? But they were the best team. They were the best team. Oh, well, they <laughs> but uh, but but like that's one of my things is like we're we teach them how to hit deep and all that stuff, and then when they go play twelve U and I, even the final, I watched the semis and the finals of those. All those girls could swing. Right, so kind of restricting them at that seven by seven, I was always questioning as well. Yeah, modifying the court is a big conversation because I, I was a fan of the smaller court because I thought it encouraged rallies and you have less space to cover and you got to play the ball a little bit more versus just watching the ball. Because again, twelve years weren't always able to play like this. Uh, Garrett, when he was on the beach crew, he had an idea that maybe if the net was a little bit higher, then the ball slows down a little bit and has to go up and down. So maybe that's more realistic to the beach game where they're still hitting, but the ball slows down. So there's no right answer. I think if as long as the kids are having fun and they're touching the ball a lot and it's not just watching the server, I, I'm fine with it. But yeah, that was my hot take on triple ball where there's some 12-year-olds, there's some even probably some like 11-year-olds who can play. I think triple ball belongs in like public schools, maybe introductory. I think if you're playing rep volleyball, it needs to start to look like volleyball a little bit. I think, I think your hot takes are a little lukewarm. <laughs> you know what, Dallas? We can start some controversy. Right now. <laughs> I gotta feel. I gotta say, I feel like an idiot. I had no idea there was a seven by seven court that was going on for younger age groups. So you're just not in touch with the youth. Learn, today, learn something every day on the podcast here. <laughs> Dallas, what age group are you coaching the club this year? Um, the OVA can quote me on this. I am coaching 15U girls. Because I don't have a certification to coach anything higher because I was on the, I don't even call it the, I don't know, the grandfather layer, the, uh, I don't know what it is. I, I ruined my probation period with the OVA, so now I have to be certified if I'm coaching anything higher than 15U. So uh, we're at a standoff right now. I'm coaching 15U because I basically told I, I have to. So you're in this weird gray area where you don't understand the rules of triple ball. So you can't coach a team in yeah. that, and you can't coach a team that requires like a level two or an advanced yeah. development certification. I so. figured playing on the national team for eight years was, a, I could have been certified enough, like, you know, I had a varsity career spanned in six years, but I guess, no, you need the pen to the paper and you need that certification. As a guy who helps facilitate coaching clinics, I, I'm, I'm sorry, you might be good because you played university and stuff. I've seen some university players who can't organize a drill or really understand what's going on. So uh, as much as I agree that most university players should be encouraged to coach and maybe be like sped through or fast-tracked, there's some that don't have a clue. Right, there's some that don't have a clue, but I don't think those go and play at a, at a higher level than university. I think if you play at, at the international level, you have a sort of an innate understanding of high-performance volleyball. And granted, I'll be the first person to say I'm not a great development coach, but I think I understand the game enough to coach at a high level to say, you know, the 31 is complemented with a BIC, and, you know, you, you run sort of options like that. But... So your 15U girls team is going to run a bit. Yeah, my 15U <laughs> girls team. And you're going to run a spread to the 31, and then your right side's going to run a tempo? My, oh, man. My, my 15Us <laughs> will know how to run an X play for sure. They just won't necessarily know where to start in rotations. <laughs> I know of these things. Yeah, I know. There's six <laughs> rotations. Don't ask me. I don't know. I didn't play setter. I don't know where setter's supposed to be. Oh, this is great. Well, we'll end the coaching conversation on this. I, I, I'll get the last say because, you know, it's my show. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I, I think volleyball would grow if we had more coaches, so I'm glad that you're still staying involved even though you kind of met a roadblock where you wanted to coach a higher-level team, but there's too much to do and you got to give up more weekends and stuff. But the more clubs I talk to, there's not a club that I found in Ontario that's just like, whoa, 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 we have enough coaches, we don't need any more coaches. Clubs are basically, they're at a point where if they had more coaches, more kids would be playing volleyball. So credit to you, Dal, for sticking around even though you're, you're too cool to do triple ball, but... <laughs> 
you're not cool enough to coach 17 you. Sorry about that. Not anymore. <laughs> Anyways, back to cause. <laughs> I didn't realize the Dallas Keith episode was number one and number 31. It's every episode. Yeah. Speaking of stories, we like to do a lot of this at Past Times. Um, it's funny that you're here because my recollection of you as a player is not necessarily coming from the university standpoint or the, the youth world standpoint, but proud to, proud to date myself a little bit here. I, I, this was before I, I was with the National Student Council. I want to say it was like 2010, 2011. Uh, yeah, what even, that, that, that sounds right. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Kosser was a camper at the York University volleyball camp. I guess you want to call it that. <laughs> Uh, and I had the pleasure of being his counselor for a week of fun with grandfather of the show, Wally Jaiba. Wow. Go, go into <laughs> details on this. So this wasn't an overnight camp. This, this was a day camp. This right? was a day camp. Yeah, I should preface that. So every summer, I don't think they do it anymore. I don't know. I know U of T does a lot of camp stuff. But York University had, uh, what was it? I guess, I think 16 was the, the top age. I don't know if they use it as like a recruitment tool or... But I think it was 9 to 16, and you spent the week with York University players and coaches, and it was like, it was fun. I don't know, it was like volleyball, and then like dodgeball, yeah. or like, so I just remember like, I was like, Andy's the only kid I really like on, on, on the court here. Like, Zach Albert was there too. Zach Albert was there. <laughs> I wouldn't even know that. I was, yeah. A lot of kids that annoy me. This kid doesn't annoy me. You know what, well, I'll, I'll, take, uh, I'll take the higher group here. Yeah. Um, but it's funny. I think you won MVP of the camp. I think I think I did, if I remember. Either that, or I think I only went two years, honestly, with you there. I remember guys. I remember from coaching were uh, you, Kareem, Kareem, Khalil. Kareem. Good guy. Uh, that Great was one of Ray's first years. Ray Zito, he's okay. a guy. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's, uh, it was Marvin was one of your Marvin Macalino. I was, was going to oh, say that's man. that's. I think that's he was one of it. Yeah, I think that's all the ones I can remember, honestly, but. Yeah, that was, I remember, yeah, we were... Uh, Josh, what was, you might remember this, I forget his last name, Dexter, um, he played Masters for Canada. He was an alumni. Yeah, yeah he right? was the, he would come, he was a great alumni, I forget his last name, it's going to bug me, but we'll have to go back and edit this in, but Dexter was... <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe not. <laughs> a lot of work. Uh, Dexter was part of that camp too, which was nice, it's always nice when, uh, when alumni come back to the program. So I think in any capacity, whether it's high school, university, or uh, or teams, it's nice to have alumni come back. And this gives us a story to build into our wrestling promos or UFC promos when we talk about York versus U of T that cost right. one MVP at hey, York you know and what? didn't reward them by by committing. By there. committing, Wally's pissed. Yeah, sorry, Wally. Has he spoken since? <laughs> probably forgets who he is. Yeah. <laughs> no, shout out to Wally. Actually, he was he was one of my favorite coaches. Honestly, I think he I think he coached. My coach now, John. I think he was. I think Wally was actually one of John's first, or one of Wally's first coaching gigs was. Uh, thing, or at some capacity, I know they Wally worked. I know he's been for a while. The York program, right? Yeah. Like that goes Wally, back that Wally far. had been at York for forty-two years in two thousand and twelve when That's I impressive. when I was my my third year there. Uh, I know that he played basketball and volleyball at Western and the joke was that he played basketball when the, the peach basket was still <laughs> in the gym. But uh, yeah, I think he graduated or had played his last year in like 63 and, and graduated Western, uh, done a master's, graduated the master's and then started the program at York. So from the 60s to, God, 2013, Wally Dabba had been there. We got to have him on the show. That, you know what? I get a, get a I'd glass love, of wine into him and I, just hear some stories. I would love to have Wally on the show. That would, be a, that would be a real sentimental thing to have, actually. Yeah, that'd be great. Anyway, so uh, that, that was a good story about our guest. Maybe our, maybe our guest has a story yeah. for us. Yeah. Because he's listened to a, cu- a few episodes. He told me that he, he's not he just knows. a guy. We, we won't even have to prompt him on this. We're just going to go with, like uh, straight in sort of what... Uh, what predicaments have you found yourself in uh, relating to being a volleyball player? Yeah, so... Yeah, I remember my first year coming into UFT. Uh, we had our training camp and our first road trip. We are coming up. I don't, remember, I don't know where we were playing, either Laval or maybe a Hummer tournament or something. I don't know. One tournament. And it was in, either really far or really close. And really close. It was, but I remember, it was, it was the first kind of playing experience I could have. And um, going into this, we have, uh, I'm in kinesiology, and 
Del, do you graduate? No, you're not a Kim guy. No, no sorry. Oh, sorry. sorry. You're doing a little you smirk stop there. Stop yourself there. Sorry. Sorry. No, but but we had our we have a, a kin like uh, outdoor camp basically for orientation, like in addition to Frosh. And uh, so we go into that. It's like three, four days long. And uh, I go in whenever I was like ready for volleyball. We've already had like a few days of training, right? And I go off to this camp for three days. And uh, we were like, that's a sports camp. You play a bunch of games, right? And one of the games, of course, is uh, like a pretty physical game. And I used to play football way, way, way back a little bit. And, uh, and this game appealed to me. It was called Greasy Melon Ball. And uh, this, I love that. Uh, so, so the game basically constitutes of uh, putting a watermelon in Vaseline, uh, standing in about like three feet of water and uh, playing rugby, full tackle rugby and trying to put the melon on the other side. And uh, again, my dumb self decided to jump into this and jump into this tournament. And within the first two minutes of it, I grabbed the melon start running, and then this big Hungarian guy spear tackles me in the head. I get knocked out in the water, and face down the water, can't remember anything from probably about half an hour after that, and uh, I basically wake up in a cabin, and I'm like, what the hell happened? And, uh, and whenever I come back to UFT after that whole camp, I was severely concussed, and, uh, and I tell John, yeah, I got concussed playing greasy melon ball <laughs> that first year. And uh, I don't think I've seen a, a man that angry and, or upset <laughs> in quite a while. And that was in one of my first experiences with uh, with Coach John. And uh, I've had better experiences since then. But um, And a first year has never played melon ball since. <laughs> yeah, you know, no. You're concussed now. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> it, it was not a great start to my first year. And uh, yeah, learned quickly after that. John is a great volleyball guy, and he's been around a long time, but he, he's one of the few people in volleyball, I think, that I'd be actually concerned to anger. Like, he's one of the guys who I think could really, like, yeah, do well, some There's a few like, off-the-record stories, for sure, but, uh, yeah, he's on my do-not-mess-with list. I think he might be on the podium of that. Well, I was saying, like, as a kid who came in, and still am a kid, I consider myself a kid as a fifth-year student, but uh, came in with definitely a bit of an ego and, and thinking, like, I can definitely attest to that and admit that, but... Uh, he definitely shot that down pretty quick, and and I honestly thank him for that. Now coming in as like if you're asking me what the difference between a first year and second or first year and a fifth year, for me like kind of realizing my place <laughs> and and realizing that I'm not not the shit. So, um, but yeah, no, like a few experiences with John where uh, I've learned a lot from that and uh, what not to do in certain situations, what not to say, and uh, definitely pay pay off in life, not just in volleyball. So. Afraid to you know pull the leash on a few guys and let them know where they really stand. I like that. I like it when you can mix it up. <sighs> Sweet. Well, man, yeah. Thanks for coming on. I think uh, I think we got a lot of good good content, and uh, we really appreciate you you coming on. And we uh, I think both Josh and I are excited to watch you grow in your last year. Yeah, yeah cool. I know you're a little nervous coming on, but one of my favorite guests. We got a lot of stories there. I yeah, laughed a lot. A lot. It, was, uh, it was a good one. Yeah, yeah, no, appreciate it. On. Appreciate it. I'm a big, big fan of the show. Uh, I'll, I'll be listening. <laughs> Beauty. Thanks so much. And for everyone listening, uh, wherever you found this, you can subscribe and hopefully give us a five-star review. Or if you don't like the service you're getting, you can always switch to Dallas. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on Podbean. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. And whatever other sites pull off of those sites. And you know what? If you don't like us, that's your problem. If you don't like us, don't leave a comment and don't leave a review. If you do love us, just keep those five-star reviews coming and comment. Yeah, we are a five-star reviewed podcast on Apple. That is a fact. That's not even a pop. And the more five-star reviews we get, the more people hear about us, the more we can start to afford, like, general equipment and... I don't know. The Passendime studio is pretty nice. World headquarters, baby. All right, that does it for us here. Be sure to uh, follow us on Instagram and give us a subscribe as well. Bye, Mom. Bye, Josh, Mom. <laughs>